Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights. I want to thank my sponsors, Topps, Panini, Upper Deck, Heritage Auctions, Huggins and Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Burbank Sports Cards, ComC.com, and Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication. So here's uh, an episode for your listening enjoyment. Mike, welcome to the show. My sixth grade friend was Mike Phillips. One really? of them. And he there? was in the neighborhood. He was the kid. He didn't have the biggest house, but he had the biggest backyard. And he had the most cards. And at the end of sixth grade, he gave me his 61 tops duplicates. Now, you would think that'd be a good thing, except they all had MP on the back in M period, P period on the back in ink. <laughs> I don't still have those cards. Bittersweet memories of the original Mike Phillips. But he was a good guy. And then we moved away and I lost track. But Jim, thank you for having me. Honestly, there's a lot of us. I've come to find out some of them not so great. I had to put my middle initial on my boarding pass when I'd fly so I wouldn't get flagged because evidently there's a couple of bad ones. But I'm interested in those MP cards because people always ask me what do I collect. I collect personalized autographs to Mike. So having MP on the back of a card, it's up my alley for what I would collect. I don't love writing on a card, but if it's got my initials on it, it makes it a little more appealing. And of course, we had Mike Phillips, the Major League Baseball player. I do have quite a few of his cards and even a couple pieces of game use memorabilia. I'm looking for the 61 tops that have JB on the back because, again, he was a neighborhood leader. <laughs> and when he did it, the other kids copied it. And there's some JB 61 tops out there, too. Well, now you have to compete with Justin Bieber. You got another famous JB out there. Good luck. Okay. So you've worked both sides of the table as I've done. You had some card shops, some distribution, product development, marketing and sales for more than one company. Have you always lived around Cherry Hill? Were you work from home before it was in vogue? Absolutely. I've worked from home for 22 years, way before it was the end thing to do. I was born in the Bronx, but when I was at a very young age, my family relocated down to Bucks County, Pennsylvania. I'm a Philly guy. I've lived in either the Philly, the Pennsylvania side of the river or the New Jersey side for the majority of my life. When you were with Fleer Skybox, they were in Cherry Hill, I think. They were in uh, Mount Laurel, which is a stone's throw from Cherry Hill. I remember coming up to that area to visit with Fleer. They'd had a problem. I'm wondering if you were still there. I'm guessing this was late 90s. When did Roger Grass come in? Late 90s? I want to say 99. Okay. So it would have been after that. He was evaluating our relationship, the nice way to put it. (laughs) And he had his own style of negotiation. So I went up there with some of the key members of our team to hear him out and nice offices, good people up there. But I'm wondering, Mike, what went wrong with Fleer and Skybox? When you were there, they had some of the most outstanding designs and iconic products. Was their cost structure too high or was it mismanaged? Not by you, but what happened there? Because I think they were riding high for a while and then all of a sudden they got behind or they got in trouble. And I think Upper Deck now owns all the Fleer Skybox stuff, which I think are good brands and some great history there. But financially as a company, what happened? Do you have any assessment of that? For my five plus years I was there, I'd say four and a half out of those five years were just tremendously great memories for me. Really great people, really enjoyed what we were doing. We had a lot of people who really understood the business. A lot of people, quite frankly, were still in the business, which is amazing in important positions too. But throughout those years, there was a lot of tumultuous times. When I first started, we were just newly purchased by Marvel Entertainment, as was Skybox, for quite a bit of money, those two companies combined. Right away, there was some financial stress. We were in bankruptcy for a portion of that time. And then uh, towards the end, the Grass family purchased 
the company, I believe it was 98 or 99. I don't remember the exact year, but there was always that specter of financial instability. As hard as we were working and the products were great, it was always a bit of a struggle. But people look back at that late 90s product and how great it is. But what people don't remember were if they weren't old enough. We did not make tremendous volumes on those products. It was a difficult time in the mid to late 90s from a volume standpoint. The business was going through a lot of pains and our company was in and out of a lot of pains. Honestly, for me personally, end of 99, beginning of 2000, I grew a little weary of some of the ups and downs and I was offered a tremendous opportunity to move over and join forces at Upper Deck. We worked so hard and we put out some unbelievable product, like you said, in the 90s, but we always... We're looking across the country at Upper Deck and we're jealous of Michael Jordan and all these deals that Upper Deck had and the power of Upper Deck authenticated and being able to put these tremendous deals in front of athletes. That was tough to compete with. When I was offered this opportunity to go over there, I took it. And so I left in March of 2000. I couldn't tell you what it was from a financial standpoint or that ultimately led to the downfall of Fleer Skybox as we knew it. It was a good three, four, five years after I left. So I'm not quite sure. I think Roger, the Grass family, the Rite Aid kind of situation, I think they're big believers in leverage. And I think they felt like they swooped in and bought FLIR at a good price. But in contrast to Richard McWilliam, who was pretty brilliant financially, I think, in many ways, somehow Richard in that same time frame was able to diversify and to expand in areas that proved fruitful, just like we did. But not everything is a hit, but some of the things were big hits and they did great. But for some reason, FLIR, you did not at that point. And I take your point. There's all these magnificent case hits. But in those days, you weren't able to charge big bucks for the cases because you were probably competing with Upper Deck as much as anything, because Upper Deck was an industry quality leader, perhaps, let's say, in terms of their printing technology of the base cards anyway. So I just felt like maybe the ownership of FLIR got a little bit overextended. We always tried to live off last year's profits, not next year's profits. <laughs> and I think that when you're depending on next year to be bigger than last year, that doesn't always happen. And even though I think they had a lot of money, they had a lot of leverage. Look, there were times where we used that quote unquote leverage towards the end of my time there. Vince Carter was the name in the late nineties, especially after he won that slam dunk championship. And we identified Vince Carter that we have to go after this guy and get this guy as the face of our basketball brands. If we want to compete with Upper Deck, with the names they had on their packaging. But anyway, we were reaching out to Vince Carter's people, no response. And finally, I remember the Grass family sent a note over to the agents saying who they were. We're from the Rite Aid family. And we got a response right back after that. Then the rest is history. We were able to get the deal with Vince Carter. And he was an important part of FLIR products for a number of years after that. When the Grass family came in the late 90s, they didn't know anything about the card industry. In fairness to them, there's a learning curve. You learn and you trust the people and the experts that are there. And then there comes a point where you want to put your stamp on things. I think I was gone by then, but I think that would be the natural order of anything when you come in and you make a large investment in a company that you're not overly familiar with. And uh, you take a little bit of time, learn it, and then you put your own stamp on it. I think you're being gentle. It seemed to me the new leadership was preemptive at times, maybe against the counsel of the veteran hobbyists. Again, I'm Sports Card Insights. That pattern can be playing out in our industry as we speak, 
as these uh, deep-pocketed investors and private equity people come into our hobby, which is now an industry, they believe it's a very short learning curve, but it's not. It's the reason why you have a lot of value in this industry. You've paid your dues. You understand how history can repeat itself and what the pitfalls are. I'm hoping that doesn't happen in a number of these companies where there's been recapitalizations and infusions with money talks. And really, the experts ought to be the one talking. Jim, I agree with you. Towards the end of my tenure at FLIR, I saw some influences that were counter to what I had learned and believed in were for the betterment of the company and industry going forward. But it wasn't my company. I was an employee. You can only do what you can do. I chose to move on. Even my years at Upper Deck now, 22 years, I've seen a number of people. Richard would periodically bring in people from outside of the industry who were brilliant marketing minds or brilliant financial minds from other industries. And they've always thought they could apply their knowledge and expertise to our hobby, our industry. Jim, 99% of the time they fail. It was, it, but it took them 18 months. <laughs> it did. And we I'm had sure a steady got- stream of observing Richard's really sharp presidents. But if you don't know the industry, what seems common sense in our industry is not always common sense. Absolutely. I say that all the time. In most industries, you're trying to sell as much as you can to make as much money and profit as you can. Our industry is a little different. Yes, you're running a business, you have margins, you have plans, you have revenue goals, but you also have to protect the perception of scarcity, which is the basis of our industry in many ways. It's counterintuitive to how they're trained to think. So when someone comes in and doesn't quite understand or have that background in our industry, they tend to struggle. They do way more often than not. Is there any sport that you haven't worked in your career? Any sport you haven't touched? Hmm. Cards? Probably not. While at Upper Deck, we had MLS, the Major League Soccer license for a little while. Not overly versed in soccer, but obviously the four core sports, absolutely. My whole tenure here at Upper Deck, we've been doing golf, which has been a blast to be able to do that. Obviously have Tiger Woods as a cornerstone there to be able to build those products since 2001. A little bit of racing here and there sporadically in my career, both at FLIR and at Upper Deck very early on. But as the industry grows and some new sports arise, you never know. I'm amazed at some sports now gaining in popularity. We're in esports now. There's plenty of debate whether or not that's actually a sport or not. I believe it is. Esports is a tremendous opportunity and area of growth for us. But I'm sure there'll be some that come up in the next few years that we didn't expect that would be a blast to work on. Okay, so there's sports, but then there's also the cards, memorabilia, collectibles, all these different things. And Upper Deck has done a number of those things, including NFTs and non-tangible kinds of things. But I'm a lifer. I think you're a lifer too. But I'm a lifer for sports cards, not trading cards. How are you a lifer? Anything well, sports collectibles or where do you draw the line or is it trading collectibles or entertainment I, or anything? Yeah, I am absolutely a lifer and I use that term often when I'm describing myself and people ask me what I do. I've only worked in this industry, Jim, my whole life since I graduated college when I was in high school, even before then. It's the only business I've ever worked in. Quite frankly, it's the only business I want to work in. My expertise and my background is predominantly in trading cards, but uh, over the years working for Upper Deck, I certainly feel like I've become maybe an expert is too drastic a word, but autographed memorabilia has become a really important part of my knowledge base and my career, my life. But collectibles in general, I consider myself a lifer in collectibles because I know what it is to be a collector. I know how the collector thinks. I am a collector. I've always been one. And I think to really be successful on the business side of things here, you have to understand how a collector thinks 
how they behave. And I think a lot of those principles apply to cards, a little different, but they apply to memorabilia, whether that be game used or autographed or whatever. And then as new categories come along, like you mentioned, NFTs, a lot of the same principles apply. And I love the opportunity to learn about and transact in new collectibles and really understand them. In my position, I have to be aware of all those things to be able to do my job to the best of my ability. Will I ever become an expert in all of them? That I don't know. That remains to be seen. Cards are my bread and butter. And you bring up entertainment. Yeah. All of my career in this business, other than really early on, I've been very involved with entertainment trading cards. I was fortunate enough for a number of years to work for Marvel. Marvel owned Fleer and Skybox. The distributor I worked for before that was purchased by Marvel. So I was an employee of Marvel for a number of years. I was immersed in that world and entertainment. I go back and some of my coworkers and I often laugh about some of the entertainment trading cards that go back to the earlier FLIR days. Some licenses we had back then, you really have to dig deep to find any information on any of those because they were pretty obscure. That's the beauty of entertainment. They're entertainment trading cards. I love it. It's never boring and there's always new content. There are always new potential licenses and it. it's exciting, especially in today's day and age within this world of streaming. There's just an infinite number of potential opportunities to create more collectibles and trading cards. It's so broad and so exhaustive. I'm semi-retired. I don't have a paycheck anymore. The question for me is not, will you ever retire fully? It's, can you ever retire fully? And I don't think I'll be able to retire if I'm able to have breath. You're way away from that. But at some point, do you ever see yourself stepping back? Are you a lifer to the point that with your last breath, you're going to be involved in this industry in some way? Jim, there are days when I think about that. Like we all have those days. But I have a hard time imagining myself not involved. I just enjoy it too much. I love the fact that it's an ever-evolving industry. There's tremendous history attached to it. I take a lot of pride in a lot of the accomplishments that I've been able to achieve in this industry. Honestly, I take a lot of pride in some of the things that I was a part of creating that a new generation is now appreciating. That drives me. That is exciting. It just gives me an awful lot of pride. So I just love that. I don't ever want to step away from experiencing that. The team I have been working with at Upper Deck is just such a tremendously creative and knowledgeable team, very driven team. And the opportunities that lie ahead of us are just so exciting. I can't even imagine not being a part of the things that we're working on and what's to come. During the summer, I spend my weekends, we call it down the shore. I have my feet up on the beach. I enjoy that. I sure do love what I do. I'm very fortunate. And I'm super excited for what's ahead. So it is hard to imagine a life without being super involved in this industry.